0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I'm Emma Heath and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast, uh, discussing the topic of collaboration in the NHS. Um, Again, this is a really new topic, so I'm really kind of excited this evening to hear your thoughts and, you know, start this series off. Also, just a big thank you um, to all of you. I know that you're really busy um, taking some time out of your day to kind of get involved. Just a quick introduction. You all know me already, but I'm Emma and I work on the NHS public sector team at Evolution. And what we do is we work to deliver interim digital and tech talent into the NHS, Our purpose is is that we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. There are kind of three main parts to that. Um, So firstly, our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. Second to that what we do is collaborate with NHS organisations helping them build high performing digital teams and finally how we do that is through curating and sharing insights into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industry best practice such as events like this podcast this evening. Um, So before we kind of dive into the questions, we'll just do some intros. So I'll just go around the room as you see see yourself on the screen and just introduce yourself with your name, the trust that you work for, and then just tell everybody a little bit more about your background and, you know, a little bit more about your current role. Um, So, Doug, you're at the top there. So do you want to go first and kick things off?
1: Okay. yes, I'm uh, Doug Kimber. Um, I work for the Tees and Ware Valley Foundation Trust. I've been employed for about um, four months. Uh, there and my background is um, a bit of NHS but prior to that universities and local government and my role is all around um, uh, uh, systems and technical IT so I'm the head of the systems and technical IT. Perfect thanks Doug. Becky?
2: Yeah so I'm Becky Bradley I'm the head of information governance and the data protection officer at York and Scarborough Teaching Hospitals NHS Foundation Trust Um, and my background is in local authority so um, I joined the trust uh, just slightly over a year ago now Um, but prior to that um, it was just local government and schools education.
0: Thanks Becky Are then Luke.
3: Hi I'm uh, Luke Stockdale I'm the Director of Digital Transformation and Innovation at um, Calderdale Huddersfield Foundation Trust Um, but part of the health informatics, which provides uh, multiple services into primary care and different secondary care settings as well. Um, And my role there is looking after the digital activities within CHFT um, around their projects and their um, different programmes that they run.
0: Thanks, Luke. Okay, well, we'll move into the questions next. Um, So what I'll do is I'll just come back around in the same way that we just did the intros. Um, start with you Doug and um, what I'll do is I'll ask you your question and then if you could just give a little bit of an insight and you know background to the question why, you, why you're interested in learning a little bit more and then we'll go around to do the answers. Um, so Doug your question was are we using too many collaboration tools and techniques?
1: Yes so um, the reason for my, for my question is obviously each uh, NHS trust seems to do something different we, we've have got some tools that are, are common so uh, lots of the tool uh, the, the trust to use, for instance, Teams and, uh, you know, the, the, the products are supplied by NHS Digital, NHS E. Um, but on top of that, we all have lots of extra things. So we may use Cisco video conferencing or our own SharePoint or file servers or all sorts of other platforms like, um, you know, Zoom or Miro or anything like that. So I I guess the question was really, do we have too many and which should we sort of try and standardize a bit more as a you know as a larger entity really
0: thank you for that Doug Um Becky I could see you kind of smile and nodding your head a little bit there what are your thoughts on on that I just thought it was interesting about like the mentioning of um
2: you know some of the platforms that um sh- can share or store information on them so my backgrounds records management um primarily with an information with information governance and I find it difficult how we tend to dilute our systems in terms of record storage and how we um provide and uh collate information it's quite difficult and I do agree um I think I do agree that there there are a lot of tools out there it's difficult in terms of interoperability, in terms of what people are using and how you share information, and provide it and get in touch with people, um, and also from my perspective as an information governance professional, having to do data protection impact assessments for all of them and understand how they all work, what contracts we have in place with them, if people are recording using them and storing stuff everywhere, its um, it, it becomes quite laboured and difficult from that perspective.
3: Thanks, Becky. Um, Luke? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. And I think there's different levels of maturity of trusts and also the different levels of um, a different stages of the supplier contracts with organisations about the capital investment. So I know, for instance, you get a lot of organisations prior to Covid invested quite significantly in Cisco or WebEx or then kind of um, or them kind of systems which enabled them to have that room sharing functionality. But I think with COVID, what's happened is that rapid expansion of being able to work from home. And being able to work from home has then kind of kind of caught some organisations in this really tricky position where they've spent a significant amount of money on the kit in the office. At the same time, you've then got people with laptops on their desks that have got Teams functionality. And how do you make all them end user points part of that solution? Because actually now I've got a webcam here. I'm doing this from home. If you thought about 12 years ago, yes, you probably could have done that, but you wouldn't have done it as with the ease as Teams and joining meetings, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that's a, a, one of the diamond towards. But I think going forward, I do think we've got to walk towards that common common usage or that com- common interoperability where we all can access whatever platform that we're on, the diagnostic in the sense that we can access and be able to view in different whether that's in where in Microsoft platform teams or whether someone's in Cisco and we can actually all come jointly together to work in that kind of forum. I think if we don't do that, it's going to be problematic, however, I still like competition in the market. So I think that's really important. Because when you get to the single supplier kind of world where you just can only have one supplier, it can then stifle creativity and then you kind of like, well, the UK market in the NHS is quite small. We won't do anything else with it. So actually having having multiple players in the market, we need to see as an advantageous, but we've got to be able to shape it and make that part of our business requirements when we're asking questions. So if we were to go for procurement, one of the questions was, one of the questions I think we should be asking now is will it interoperable with XYZ systems because we know our partners in place level are on these systems. So how do we work that and we we'll make that and we can start driving that at trust level on how we can drive that efficiencies out of these systems if we make it part of the requirements in the procurement process.
0: Thanks for that, Luke. How does that answer your question, Doug?
1: Have you got any further you know, thoughts or questions for Becky or Luke? No, I, I, the only thing I'd add is I think it's important that we we work with our partners as well, so particularly local authorities and other organisations like that, because they want to collaborate with us as well. It's not just internally within the NHS, it's wider. And again, that's where things get even more complicated. If one, one authority may use Teams, for example, somebody else might use Google. And it's, you know, how, how do we work together? And as NHS trusts, we might actually work with both of them parties, so again we're 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 split in the middle. So I think there are sort of too many tools that we we need to use. But as Luca Lucas said, the key is the interoperability between them, really. And you know, Cisco Kit can have a, a Teams add-on, for instance. So that allows us to to use that Cisco Kit as well. It's not
3: just redundant.
0: Thank you, Doug. Uh, Becky, Luke, any further th- thoughts on that?
3: No, and as we're moving with the ICS and how that getting structured. I think, Doug, the point you make about the wider place level is, is fundamentally important on that. And then I think it even goes obviously one step further with how do we integrate patients within that as well? And at, at place level, you might be a patient in an area with um, with a mental health, with a health and health connection, with a primary care and a secondary care, and you might be using three different solutions at a, a virtual consultation platform. Which is—it's the putting an extra level to your question, but you can actually see how does that affect it. But there are some now ways where you can try to bring it to a bit of conformity. So, like you just said there, I think that's a really good point in getting that interoperability. Is that space?
0: Thanks, Luke. Becky, any th- th- further thoughts or? No, not really.
2: Well, I was thinking about Luke, um, the comment about COVID and the rapid push towards working in this kind of way, and it was just interesting that I feel like it's put what kind of governance we put around this to make sure that we're not doing the same thing like because we're excited that there's all of this like technology out there that we can use but understanding what governance we can put in place to stop it from going like, like it has done with COVID and um, because we needed it but then again if something similar happens again in the future it's making sure that the emergency response to that isn't necessarily as like just get it in place because we can do it it's it's more contained and we're better able then to develop that interoperability and um collaborative working from that ongoing rather than then now trying to sort of pull it back in and create something from that
0: thanks becky um yeah covid i mean two two years isn't it two two year anniversary today what what a coincidence. Um, no thanks for thanks for that guys. Um, all right we'll move on to the next question then. Um, so Becky will come to you. Um, so your question was how can having effective information asset owners drive impo- improved use of information? Yeah so um,
2: in the trust we are establishing a better information asset owner system in terms of understanding what information assets we have, who owns it, and who owns the risk for that. And I think for me, in terms of collaborative working, understanding who owns that risk and who is responsible and accountable for that would help us going forward because I think as we move towards the ICS, we're going to have this mass amount of information coming in, being shared, being used and understanding who is accountable for that information as it becomes a collaborative tool is really necessary. And somebody within the trust who understands or any organisation understands what that information is and the risks around it and the risks of sharing it, I think is necessary at this point. And I'm not sure that any organisation
0: is at the maturity level that has that ability thanks becky um luke do you want to kick things off on this one
3: yeah you can do it. i think i think it's has been a valid point and i think how i think it's understanding from a patient's perspective that sometimes they do not understand they see the blue badge of the nhs and they expect that that data is already shared amongst everyone already so from their perspective <clears throat> They expect all that hard work that you do like behind the scenes is already in place, it's already there, et cetera, et cetera. Notwithstanding it's potentially not there, and how do we structure that in such a way? Because they might think, well, i have give it to the NHS, I've ticked a box at my GP, and I expect every organisation within, within under the umbrella of the NHS to have that. So that's one. The other aspect I think is really important as well in this one is it's fundamentally important, but also you've got to look at it from the consequences side of it. So if actually, if we start that education journey and what the consequences are of bad information and asset ownership is, what does that mean? What's the reputational risk? What's the risk on our patients, et cetera? And we start building it from the that kind of thing. I think that's the slant to take it with everyone. We try to talk about what good looks like, but actually let's flip the question round. What does bad look like? And what are the consequences of that? And I think if you bring it down to that level, Would you want your, would I want my patient data being shared X, Y, Z in or loosely not fully understood? Well, no, I would not want that. So I think once you bring it back down to a person level, I think it gives it more focus and it means it more meaningful to people. So I think it's really important how we get that approach right in landing information action ownership. Fully on board what you say about getting established structures in place and governance, because I think that's fundamentally important because if you do that, then you've got that clear lens of accountability and people then are responsible for what they're in but I think it's also the flip side of you you are responsible but actually these are what we this is what we're trying to help you not do by the understanding the consequences if that makes sense.
0: Thanks Luke back here I could see you're really nodding your head away with some of the points Luke was making then.
3: (laughs) I think it's right I think
2: from when we do um when we do training for this I tend to I tend to do it from a benefit side of this is what why we want good information asset management why we want good information asset ownership kind of thing and it's kind of two sides of the same coin so for me like being able to say if you have good information management because we know how we're managing our assets and we know who owns it you have better patient care um, and staff management as well because you know where all that personal data is you know what's happening to it and you know being able to map that and see it and make it more effective and efficient and the ability to share quickly because we know what's there so there's no you know you understand the risks around it it's much better and um, whereas like Luke's the opposite side of that is you know you if you don't do that you don't have you you it slows you down it's you know inefficient you can't do these things as um easily as you want to and also it puts partners
1: off working with you thanks thanks becky um doug what are your thoughts yeah i had um two thoughts i think obviously it's important to um keep that data uh integrity there so i think you you need the the Asset owners, for that purpose, if nothing else, is to make sure that integrity is right, that the data is correct, is up to date. You're only keeping what you need to keep, um, and it's not conflicting. Because the more we start sharing that information, the more chance there are that, that data will become wrong, or we have three versions of the same bit of data. Um, and I'm just thinking, from a from a patient point of view, you know. I, I found it frustrating myself, you know, if you, if you go to the doctor and you have some tests done and then you go to the hospital and they want to repeat the same test you've had done two days ago and you're thinking, well, it's not that's a bit of a waste of resources. You're doing something that there's already something there for. So why ask again? But they don't have access to that information. And similarly, if you, you know, if you go to A&E, for instance, you know, the GP doesn't always know what you've had had done. Um, they won't tell you what tests were done. That, won't, that record won't get over to the GP. So the GP can't help you in, in the same way. So I think there's that bit around making sure that data flows properly. And, and to do that, you need them information owners, don't you, the asset owners?
0: Thanks. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, Becky, I could see you nodding away again there. Is that, Those, Does you know, answer your question for you? I think they're really helpful
2: because I think you find a lot of resistance to this kind of work when you're in the trust because it's difficult um, and people aren't necessarily engaged with it because when you say IG people are like oh my gosh but it you know I think having people that understand the importance of doing it and I think particularly with Doug's comment about um where we're coming together with lots of different information understanding what the master record is and this feeds into potentially collaboration tools as well where you have diluted information systems and understanding what is the master record what is the truth and what um other people are inputting
0: into it makes a big difference to somebody's care thanks becky any further thoughts luke doug no okay good there's a bit there
1: on the, the the internal stuff around like hr and you know staff data because you know I, I don't know how your your trusts work but certainly ours it's it's quite fragmented where that data is kept it's not all kept in one HR record and so again it it conflicts because then processes are all around you know if you change address who do you tell you've changed address because that address record is kept in multiple places.
2: Yeah I was nodding again sorry <laughs> to to on a yeah. podcast but um, oh. yeah I agree Um, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, room for improvement in terms of how HR records are managed um, electronically and physically um, across lots of organisations, I imagine, but our trust particularly struggles with it.
0: Thanks, Becky. All right, well, we'll move on to the very final question. Um, so, Luke, last but not least, um, so your question is, how does digital help the NHS collaborate now give us a give us a bit of an insight to that
3: yeah so this question it's kind of really to link with the other two questions really and when I was, I'm reflecting on it I thought Doug is it the opposite of your question but I don't think it I don't think it is I think it's it's kind of similar but has a different train to it so just by building on from the point you made there Doug about um, about the GPs not knowing what tests have been happening and hack etc and about how that data flows and our patient expectations that were actually one organisation with the umbrella under the umbrella of the NHS so the question really for me is how does digital help us do that so we've mentioned words like interoperability at the minute obviously got patient care but also how does it what other ways does it help what other ways can it help and you just mentioned one there Doug about not repeating tests which actually if you add them up and quite significantly across the NHS if people knew what test results were from different systems or in different organisations that you have your care under what would the impact potentially be on that so the bit for me is just what does can digital help us collaborate more
0: thanks luke doug do you want to kind of kick things off i think luke had some kind of points that you'd you mentioned
1: yeah i think um i think we're already on that journey aren't we it's, it's not that we're totally isolated anymore systems are joined together um probably just not enough yet um and that i think part of that dispersed data storage if you like and information storage sort of um makes it a bit harder but now we've with systems have all got um apis built into you know there, there's interfaces to actually join them together it's, it's more about making them links and um i i guess different organizations working closer together um and trying to find them key records if you like or key fields where you can link something to something else or so whether that's you know uh the person's NHS number or whether it's you know an address or something but there there has to be sort of a an easier way of of doing anything together than than what we do at the moment I guess.
0: Thanks Doug. Becky? So my
2: perspective on this was I think we need to recognise the amount of work that is still completed on paper um, and how we move forward with that and actually enable staff to complete like to create records digitally at, from the start and um, so that it can enable that collaboration because we can put a lot of tools in place which help the interoperability which help it go to various different organizations can understand where we've been but there's always going to be delay if we're still creating paper um, and having to like physically scan that in and then interpret handwriting Um, and then you've got the backlog of paper so it's understanding do we need the full medical history of people like how that works so from my perspective I think digital is um you know it's always going to help us collaborate better It, it does at the minute we can can do like various different uh you know collaborations over video like tons of different stuff and be able to provide patient data incredibly quickly but we can't get there until we have a full digitized record for somebody and I think that's the there's a sticking point there of how you manage that
0: modernization thanks Becky Luke have you got any further thoughts kind of questions
3: yeah no I I agree and I think it's getting getting the red records digitized, which is the first aspect of it. Um, and then obviously getting people utilizing it in an optimized way. So you can have patient records, which are really, really detailed, but they're not in the right field. So you can't pull the data through, etc. cetera. Um, and then the other aspect for me, and what so I think is what Becky picked up on was about, like, you've got things like MDTs, um, like multiple discipline team meetings, and you can do them on Teams. People don't have to travel, especially when it's system-wide. How can you, and also how can you bring, I think going forward, that triangulation of different aspects of bringing different clinicians into different meetings at different times for their specialties, that'll be something where I think it will be. And I think it's the operating model, I think the capabilities there with the systems we've got is getting the operating model rights now. So if you've got, if you've got two pathways that you run and they're interlinked, how does digital work in that space to bring, to collaborate with the patient Maybe two specialisms, or whether it's the third sector, like Macmillan Cancer Nurses. How does how can all of them come together as a joint piece within that as well to support collaboration? So definitely, um, long a long way to go, but I think it's the capabilities starting to emerge and become more mature. I think the operating models need to now develop into that space as well to support um to support and give you get the benefits out of some of this digital technology that's been delivered.